HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. I do my show on the Heritage Radio Network because I think it's important to talk about the impact of technology on our lives. I do my show to reach home cooks and help them do better. I love getting together with people in the industry. I like hosting my show because, to me, it's the stories about people and their relationship to food that help make the food more interesting and more delicious. Our hosts do their shows as a labor of love, but we still need your financial support in order to keep the lights on and keep the tape rolling. Please become a member today at heritageradionetwork.org. Today's program was brought to you by Union Beer. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. I'm Greg Blaze, host of Cutting the Curd. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Welcome to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. This is a special show. It's April 2016. The guys from Alvina in uh, Belgium are in New York City. They're visiting Fool's Gold and OEC and uh, hanging out with some B-United guys. But we got a chance to record them at Jimmy's Number 43, have this nice little show. So um, George Flackinger is here from B-United. And the guys from uh, Alvina, why don't you introduce yourselves? Say your names and what you do at the brewery. Hi, uh, I'm Glenn, and uh, I kind of do the barrel management and a uh, little bit of the PR work. It's great. Yeah, I'm Davy. I'm doing the general management, the selling, you know, brewing sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> brewing sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just like that, brewing sometimes. Hello, I'm Mark. I'm uh, responsible for uh, yeast management, yeast propagation. All right, and George... Tell us about these guys and tell us what Alvina is, because I've had a few of the beers over the years. We've had the Cuvée Friday. Right. Today we'll be drinking uh, the Wild West Blackthorn edition. Blackthorn. Yeah, this is a very special version of Wild West. But Alvina is obviously, uh, you're, you're listening to most of the staff right now of Alvina. Uh, this, is, this is the team, really. They're obviously a very, very small Belgian uh, brewery that have been making amazing beer with their house strain of yeast, which is called uh, Morpheus yeast. It's a culture, rather, um, which I'm sure you'll hear about from Mark. Uh, but uh, they produce some of the most fantastic sour beer on the face of the planet, and uh, they're really one of the most innovative breweries, too, that uh, I've, I've seen coming out of Europe at, at the So, John, let's start. Tell us how you got started. Uh, tell us what Alvin is. And, and how you guys first got started working there? You go, David. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we started. We started. Uh, me and, and Glenn started in 2002 uh, as home brewers. Um, started contract brewing in 2003, um, but of course, contract brewing is only yeah, it's not real brewing. So we uh, <laughs> we set up our own brewery in 2004, got a license uh, by the end of that year. And then since then, yeah, it uh, only went up. Uh, we moved in 2007 to a bigger facility and in 2011 to another bigger facility. That's where we still are now. So, uh, Glenn, what do you think of working with this guy? <laughs> well, I have to, yeah, I have to be careful now because he's married to my sister. So uh, <laughs> That's actually how we got to know each other. So, uh, you know, before uh, he met my sister, he didn't even drink beer. So, uh, you see... Things can uh, can happen. Um, yeah, it's it's great working together, not only with Davy, also with Mark. I think um, 
we are very complementary actually. Uh, we are different personalities, different uh, specialties, but it all works really, really well together. You know, we've been doing a lot of shows with Belgian brewers. Like we did an Orval show recently. And there's so much in America about American craft beer. How do you guys feel you, you stand out when you come to the States? You're here in New York and uh, some other cities this week. What's it like for you coming to New York City trying to sell your beer? Well, uh, for us, uh, it's a journey, let's say, to uh, to check out also uh, what the status is in the States, uh, how far you are with, with the beers. And we must say, yeah, we must be careful in Belgium. So I mean that in a positive way, that uh, the States have, have gone a long way. And I think, uh, yeah, uh, you're ready to uh, to make some fantastic beers. And uh, we must be careful in Belgium. I mean that uh, we cannot sleep and just uh, uh, trust on uh, the standard values. We must innovate and think further. And that's uh, a bit of a lack in Belgium for the moment. Yeah. I noticed some of the older Belgian breweries, they said the American breweries are open to sharing new ideas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then for a while, some of the Belgian breweries were keeping secrets. Yeah, I think so. It's a bit the same like uh, we had the situation with the French wines in, uh, in France, for instance. At a certain moment, they thought, okay, nothing can, can happen. We are the best in the world. But it did happen <laughs> with other parts uh, of the world. Uh, and right. uh, that's the same with the Belgians, I think. Rest and the, um, we know about that. We learned about that. And uh, that's what we see actually happen also in the States. We are only two days here, and that's what we, uh, we know already. I, th- I think um, most traditional Belgian brewers are quite, how would I say, uh, yeah, they want to keep things to themselves. They don't really want to share information, they don't want to share uh, experience, uh, which is totally different with brewers outside of Belgium. For us, it's much easier to work together with brewers from England, Norway, share information than with some of the traditional Belgian ones who are actually neighbors. I mean, Omer van der Henste is like 10 minutes away, but we don't know anyone there. We know like 10, 15 brewers in London. Okay. <laughs> That's the way it is. You know, uh, we don't really mind. We, 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 uh, yeah, we work with people. We do our thing, you know. Yeah, we, we are we innovative. Thing, we do, their we do thing. our own thing. Uh, and we see it goes well. We, we are here for two days. We, we, we see our beers popping up in, in different bars, which is great, you know. It's, uh, it's more than great. Yeah. I don't think we ever imagined. 15 years ago that we would be sitting here at Jimmy's <laughs> doing a radio show about our beers. I mean... Uh, I didn't either 15 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool having So, uh, What are some of the places you brought them, George? Um, well, uh, you guys I know went to the Ginger Man yeah. uh, on yeah. Friday, yeah. Uh, but we went to the Jeffrey today. Red I don't know yet. Where else have you guys been? Red 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 we did Red yesterday, okay, right. yeah. and then yeah. Well, from next week on, it's like uh, it's going to be quite a travel. We're doing a trade show tomorrow uh, with Craft Beer Guild and New Plants or Plants up, up in the Hudson Valley. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, Philadelphia Monks Cafe. Uh, Washington, the Sovereign, uh, Baltimore, uh, Max Taphouse, and ending up in uh, Baltimore, yeah, Max. Yeah, is, and yeah, then uh, Max ending up uh, way south in Virginia, Norfolk, uh, at the Birch. George, what, what are some of the beers that you're selling besides this one? Uh, well, we uh, so recently we got in two different versions of, of Wild West. Uh, this is obviously the Blackthorn, their Slowberry version. Uh, but uh, Davey was telling me, and as I'm sure he'll probably tell you later too, uh, when I was visiting him at least, that Wild West is very receptive to fruit additions yeah. because the beer itself, it really highlights those fruits, but it, it, everything works together very, very well. So we received two different versions of Wild West, one with plums, uh, it was aged on about a ton almost, right, of, of, of plums. A lot of yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then another version with uh, grapes uh, in it as well. Uh, and they've been yeah. fantastic. So let's talk Absolute about the beer. Support. So this is, tell us what the beer is and uh, okay. how you make it and everything. This is um, Wild West. So it's a barrel-aged blonde sour. Uh, this one is actually one of... Yeah, probably uh, one of our more rare beers. Uh, we added slowberries straight to the, the barrel, but the thing with slowberries is you, you can't buy them. You need to pick them, you need to harvest them in the wild. 
So we need like 15 kilos of slow berries uh, for each barrel, and it takes about yeah an hour to, to, to pick like five kilos. So it's it's a lot of work. Uh, slow berry is like a small plum-like uh, berry, but very astringent. But it disappears when once you add it to the beer. If you would eat it the slow berry yourself, you would say, oh no, it's really not nice. But it's fantastic in a sour beer. Can I, can I tell you how I bought this beer? So guys like George and the other guys at Be United, they send out little short lists of, of what beers are coming in. And we kind of flip a coin. <laughs> because there's so many good beers that, that they course. bring in. And, and so many from you guys. And I'm like, well, what can I get? I want to get one of in. And this time I got the Wild West. Something for a long time I was getting a lot of Cuvée Freddy. Um, so I don't know if you know how your beer is sold. But to me, it's like there's so many that you guys are making. I want them all. But I should just buy them all, right? <laughs> <laughs> how did you make this beer? So, so, what style? It's sour, but what kind of a sour is it? You know? Yeah, well, the base thing uh, is our yeast, of course. And uh, like uh, most uh, Belgian breweries, uh, especially the middle-sized one and bigger ones, the treasure is the yeast. So I captured it uh, in nature myself in uh, the centrum of uh, France, which is called uh, Diovernia which is an old uh, volcano uh, area and it's uh, a mixed uh, fermentation uh, strain as we call it uh, as a matter of fact geographically uh, the, the brewery is based uh, in the middle of the mixed fermentation area with uh, the bigger breweries like uh, Liefmans and uh, Rodenbach uh, and also historically we are linked with uh, with the mixed fermentation area, let's say. So it's very obvious that uh, we have chosen for this kind of, uh, of beers. Uh, but what we did is that uh, mixed fermentation and uh, typical Flemish old brown was a bit in a, yeah, in a forgotten area, let's say. And we have tried to innovate this kind of beer style uh, completely. And I guess, yeah, what you drink now is the proof that uh, we succeeded in that one. Because most most mixed fermentation beers you can drink in, in Belgium right now are all dark ones. So uh, just 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 doing it with a blonde one was already like uh, yeah, that was totally new for the beer yeah, scene in Belgium. Really new. Blonde sours, except for the goose beers, of course. But blonde sours that was totally new. So we we tried it, we did it, and yeah, I think uh, we have great beers now, which we uh, yeah. It's the first uh, old brown, Flemish old brown, which is blonde. So yeah. contradictionally, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> we did it. <laughs> Why not? Yeah, I like at the end, I just got the end of the bottle. So yeah, you have the Morpheus, you send your glass now. So that's the yeast. Yeah. yeah. It's beautiful. Do I drink it or not? Of course. Yeah, of course. Of course. It's healthy. healthy. <laughs> It's a, it's a mix of lactobacteria and uh, two different So when you guys are at the Jeffrey, which is a great beer bar in Midtown Manhattan, uh, what what were you guys having? Did you have any beer on draft? Did you have bottles? Yeah, we we had the two different Wild West uh, fruit versions, so the plum and, and the grape, uh, and then uh, we also had uh, Omega as well, which is on draft, and Cuvée Freddy too. So those four. And a couple of bottles. And and several bottles as well, yeah. So we're starting out with your, your home brewers and your contract brewing. So what, what were the steps that you made? To, to Tell us what your actual brewery is like and how you, how you started that after your contracting. Well, we had, of course, a small facility, a small brewing facility, actually in my backyard in a wooden shed. Um, brewing recipes, testing recipes uh, for our contract brewing, of course. Uh, but at a certain point, we were becoming a little bit too big in that wooden shed. And uh, the guys from Axis, they said, sorry guys, you can't do that anymore. You're doing too much. You know, you can't do that anymore. You need a license. And then we made the choice. What should we do? Or we stop just uh, as a home brewer. Or we, we, we get our license. And, and that we did. Uh, and at the end of 2004, we were brewing uh, very small batches. But as a licensed brewery, I think at that moment, the smallest in Belgium. So, uh, but since then we only we only went bigger. But mainly classical styles in the beginning, yeah, like yeah, a yeah, blonde, a treble, yeah. uh, okay, an imperial stout, which was ten years ago in Belgium. Very special. Yeah, that was already very special. Um, 
Mark at that point wasn't involved in the brewery yet, but he was already a friend of us and uh, also a home brewer, obviously. Uh, so he brought some of his beers and, and we tried uh, the first sours with, with his yeast. Uh, and it's, yeah, he came uh, with us uh, as partner in the brewery. And then we kind of found our identity, I guess. There's no other way to, to put it. It's like, okay, this is the way we need to go. Easy and slow in the beginning because sours is, is a very difficult market in Belgium. You dragon with all the gooses and so, but people in Belgium really don't drink sours. Uh, so we need to do it step by step. Uh, but I'm really glad uh, that's the way we went. And then the barrel agent took it to another level. Uh, in the beginning, yeah, not a lot of barrels, like top, yeah, 10, 15. Now we're uh, over 150 barrels, which is for a, a brewery our size. Yeah. It's really it's like 30% yeah. of what we produce is barrel aged. If you see it percent wise, that's uh, yeah, that's. So George, quite it's pretty special that I got one case of Wild West, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, There's no question that's about really it. Really special. Yeah, yeah. This, this one is only made last year. The 1200 bottles. From that beer, and right. we practically all send them to. That's one percent of our production. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Imagine yeah. that you have one percent of stone in your basement. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'd actually sure. rather have Alvina. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is the thing. So I mean, that's that's what you guys look for when you're in Belgium. You think of. I, I think stone has a lot of presence there, doesn't it? I know there's that. Uh, there's some beer bars. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I was just saying Stone, but there was no special meaning why I chose uh, that brewery. Uh, I, I just know it's big. You read and too 1% much. He reads the internet too much. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, no, no. We do. <laughs> we, yeah. Need, we need to. But, uh, I, Davey, did, you picked all of these berries, right? No, for Glenn, the, Glenn, Glenn, Glenn did. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. That's, that's my, good uh, job. Yeah. Right. <laughs> my, my therapy. <laughs> This is a good start. It's great talking to you guys. We'll be back in a few minutes on Beer Sessions Radio. All right. In 1996, Knife & Son acquired Union Beer Distributors, which was originally located on Union Avenue in Brooklyn, but has since expanded to its present location alongside the English Kills Canal in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. Union Beer has grown dramatically in the last decade as the primary distributor of Anheuser-Busch products for Kings County, Brooklyn, through the hiring and development of the best people in the industry. In 2003, Union Beer acquired a powerful catalog of specialty brands, which immediately positioned them as the craft beer supplier to accounts in Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, and Staten Island. Union perpetually tweaks their portfolio to maintain the highest level of stylistic breadth with the most coveted brands available. Through the highest possible level of service, outstanding salesmanship of the ultimate lineup of brands, and a paramount focus on education on all levels, Union Beer has solidified its position as the only source for the best selection of beers in the 14 counties of southeastern New York. For more information, visit greatbrewers.com. Hey, 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 welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio on the Heritage Radio Network. Special show, it's April 2016. We're with the guys from Alvina from Belgium, right here at Jimmy's number 43. George from Be United, you brought these guys in. Indeed. You're, you're in New York City, Philly, D.C. They, they will be, yeah. They, they're doing a whole East Coast tour uh, while they're over here. Uh, so uh, they're, they're going to be working. Uh, this is not a vacation for them at all. We're working them hard. We're working them hard. Yeah. So what does Alvina mean to you? I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those many special beers you have at you know, Be United. It, yeah, and and obviously it, in Be United, you know, we there there are a lot of different breweries that we that we import into the country. But uh, to me, Alvin is is especially special and, and unique uh, in our portfolio, largely due to you know how they approach their beer with Morpheus yeast and their barrel aging, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, and I, and I think at a time now, in, you know, obviously all this beer we're selling in the U.S. Uh, and uh, it's an increasingly competitive market. I mean, it's ridiculously competitive. And so you need to be totally unique in order to survive. And Alvin is absolutely that. They are, they are their own personality. They're completely different to everybody that's on the, the shelves today. Uh, when you look now at the market uh, for sour beers in the U.S., everybody is doing kettle souring. And uh, it's very one-dimensional sour beers 
but uh, Alvin is so the, let's talk the about, opposite of that. Let's talk about what, what your method is, because you mentioned it's, you're an, it's an old brune that's blonde, but tell us, what, what is that method? You know, from, from start to finish, what are you doing to make this wonderful sour beer? And, and sitting at the bottom of my glass is the Morpheus East, <laughs> which looks like a berry itself. But tell us, how, starting with this batch of beer, Wild West, yeah. what are you doing? Well, uh, secret uh, actually happens at home, in my uh, yeah, in my place. I cultivate uh, the yeast up to uh, let's say five liters. I don't know how many gallons that is. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. One, <laughs> one gallon, gallon. <laughs> something oh, it's like that. Five liters. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so that goes to the to the brewery then, and then uh, it's cultivated further uh, and uh, up to about five uh, percent of the uh, final batch, let's say, and that uh, is being pitched into the the big uh, fermentation vessel then. And then, uh, and then we brew a regular blonde beer, as for this one of course, a regular blonde beer, pitch the yeast in it and let, let the, the, the yeast and the lactobacillus do their work. So yeast of course produces alcohol and other stuff, uh, lactobacillus are producing the sourness in the beer. So after lactic acid. Lactic acid of course, yeah. After a few uh, weeks, uh, as for this beer, we transfer it into wooden barrels, let it settle there for a few months. Uh, after a few months, we put in the berries, let it settle for at least half a year then, yeah. uh, until we think it's uh, ready to bottle. We pick different barrels, blend them together, and we have this wonderful beer. Yeah. And there it gains uh, complexity. So uh, we discussed that. I discussed that yesterday uh, with Be United also that it's all about time, and yeah. that's act- exactly what we don't have for the moment in our society. That's time. But if you need, uh, if you want to create good beers, you need to give it time. Simply like that. No, we never put a time on a beer. It can be eight months, but it can also be twelve months. So we we taste the barrel. Doesn't matter how much they pressure us. We taste taste the beer, and if we think it's ready, then it's ready. If it's not, then we wait a little bit longer. That's how it is. It's a natural product, so nature has to do its thing. But God force it. Right, but I find it. I mean, that's amazing, obviously, because now, of course, with all these American breweries that are trying to produce sour beer, they go the fast and quick, you know, they go the fast route that's That's efficient, and they then throw whatever they need to in the beer, and then that's it, and then they release it, you know? Uh, So there's no real flavored development, really. You're just making acidic beer. Okay, great, you know? That's not fun. (laughs) That's not what what they should be doing. It's time, of course, with the yeast, with the lactobacillus, time makes a good beer. Right. So, uh, and now I, I think a lot of American breweries don't, you know, they don't think they have time. They they, they want to be as efficient as possible. And oh, you know. people ask us several times, you have to become bigger, guys, become bigger. Right. No, you, you know, if you become bigger, you have to grow faster, which means you have less time, which means the beers will, yeah, quality will, will be lost. We don't want that. So it's it's great as it is now. Right. So, like, take a step back. So, um, there's so many great breweries in, in Belgium. We, we know yes, the names. Yes. You know the Trappist breweries, the Abbey yes, breweries. Yes. Um, what, what is the, the culture of home brewing in, in Belgium? And when you started, were other people home brewing, or was that uh, new? Not Belgium, that not many. Uh, in the Netherlands, there were a lot. There were a lot of home brewing clubs in, in the Netherlands. Um, it's uh, well, because it's they, don't have, they don't have good beer. Is that what? <laughs> well, no. Um, Sort of, actually, because at, at that now, time, yes. yeah, because in the Netherlands, what what a home brewery in the Netherlands, his ambition is to clone the beer, to make uh, a Rochefort at home, which is very close to Rochefort or a Norval or a Westmalle. That's what they do. Try to clone things. Uh, a Belgian home brewer tries to make something which is totally different than what he can buy in a shop. It's not that expensive to buy beer in Belgium, so he wants to be unique, and that's what we kind of try to do, uh, and and still try uh, to do. Um, home brewing is becoming more and more popular in Belgium, and I think we have a lot to do about it, uh, because uh, quite soon after we started our own brewery, we started giving homebrew courses as well. So, and even out of those courses, already five different breweries started in Belgium which wasn't really the intention because the intention of the, the course is how to make beer at your home 
but some people got so infected by, by the passion and, and, and the beer microbe that they just started their own uh, brewery. So, uh, yeah, and it's still growing. But everything is growing in the beer business now. It's, it's booming. Yeah. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Are you still home brewing too, or now you're too busy? Too busy. Uh, too yeah. busy. Yeah. Now we make uh, sourdough breads and cheese and things like that. Yeah. <laughs> If we have some time left, so yeah. keep it going. You guys can say whatever you want too. If I say something, that means that you should be saying something. So okay. <laughs> you can ask. Why don't you ask a question? You ask him a question. A question you would have asked him when you were first starting. Things you. What, what did you want to know when, when you first met these guys? And. Um, He asked me how how is the business doing? Are you are you, are you earning money? <laughs> no, that's not true. That's not true. No, no. no, he came to me actually on a, on a no. We were friends, of course. I, I knew him, but he came to me on a festival in the Netherlands, uh, the Molen Festival. Maybe you know it. Maybe uh, you don't. He came to me. We spoke about beer. We, we were both passionate, and he asked me, Davy, I have a yeast. I have a yeast at my home, and it, it, I, I can do great things with it. Should you? want to try it in your brewery I was like okay yeah, why not why not yeah give it a try yeah, you know and we did it that was actually the first the first Kirasas beer should be somewhere 2008 or 2009 the first Kirasas beer we made with that yeast and then we already thought alright guys this is it and we developed it further on and, and it's, it's, it's gone where it is now so uh, but actually yeah we were friends but that was the first question he popped out when he wanted to yeah to know more about the brewery and to introduce his yeast of course to to us and, uh, we, uh, of course we are extremely happy that <laughs> yeah, we uh, that we did it uh, because yeah, now that's the identity yeah. of the brewery without what happened over there at that festival i'm sure we wouldn't be sitting here I'm sure no, of that. If, if that we might still have been a brewer, but it's... To the Morpheus moment. Yeah, yeah. well, actually, uh, I'm called the Yeast Whisperer. <laughs> There's uh, other guys with that name, you know. Yeah. <laughs> There's one in California named Shay. Yeah. He's a Yeast Whisperer. Well, but there's too. only one real Yeast Whisperer. Real so. <laughs> <laughs> And if I may uh, give one advice, if people want to, to work with or play with yeast, it's all about passion and discipline. These are the two words. If you don't have the passion to look uh, after your yeast every morning, to look how it is, to talk with yes. it, to have contact with it, and to be very disciplined in uh, yeah, what he needs or she needs. Is yeast a fem uh, feminine or a masculine? And It's both ways. I, I don't know. There's, there's, a, <laughs> <laughs> there's a beer out now that's, that's controversial because it says there's Do women's yeast in it. But, you say uh, he uh, or uh, she uh, or uh, it. You have a science background? Yeah. I'm an agriculture engineer in dairy science, actually. So uh, we use a lot of uh, lactic bacteria over there and cheeses and so on. So I'm quite familiar with, uh, with the background, let's say. All right, you guys. I mean, like, so, so what? When, when was it that you decided to make this style of beer, though? I mean, you knew that once you found that yeast. Yeah, that was the next yeah we, knew, we knew. We knew. We, we, we tried it. Made the carrosses out of it. At that point, we knew what what it was capable of doing. Uh, and it, it then it then it grew. Of course, Belgium was not ready for the style yet at that point. But uh, over the years, it, mm -hmm. it, it has grown not only in Belgium, but, but of course in the United States. But actually all over the world it has grown uh, sour beers are more and more popular uh, so yeah David what's your background? Like, I don't have no. <laughs> <laughs> he's an imposter uh, no, I, I also studied chemistry uh, when I was much younger than now so, uh, but I did several jobs uh, most of it in, in food companies uh, so it was a easy step uh, that, that I made in 2006 uh, Uh, to choose for the brewery and, and work full time in the brewery. So, uh, yeah. yeah. What about you, Glenn? Well, I'm 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 a teacher actually. Uh, studied to be a teacher, a math teacher, biology and chemistry. Figure it out. Uh, but I, ne I, ne I never taught uh, one of uh, these three uh, things. Uh, I went into special ed. So. Uh, Uh, teaching people with uh, learning disabilities, uh, with uh, character disturbances, things like that. 
so uh, very rewarding but hard uh, as well so uh, the brewery was a uh, Especially in the beginning, a really nice side thing to do now, you know, to clear my head. Uh, now it's getting more and more <laughs> the opposite way, so I'm, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm being more and more in the brewery. It was one day a week, now it's three, four days a week now, so, uh, which is a good thing. It's fun. Well, we're drinking one of a New York City beer. This is from Three's Brewing in Brooklyn, and it's a simple beer. It's called Table Beer. It's a saison with yeah. a little hops. Yeah, well, it reminds you of, of yeah. a good saison, actually. It's, it's, a, it's a good beer. I think we had one of uh, the Trace beers uh, earlier. Uh, wasn't that the the saison, the barrel age saison that we had next to, yeah, at the Jeffries? The Jeffries. We, we probably had, had three. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so we have, it's another, there's a lot of New York City breweries that are new, but this one, Threes, it makes some good saisons. Okay. Yeah, definitely. It's a very popular style now in, yeah. in, the, in the U.S. Well, you can only make saison in Belgium. Right. Farmhouse ale. Yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, let's talk. I'm glad you're, I'm sure you're getting a great experience in New York City. Uh, what are some of the other beers that you want to talk about that you guys that you guys make? Let's talk about Cuvier Freddy. I've had that a few times. How did you, how did you come up with that, the story of Cuvier Freddy? Maybe we should tell the story yeah. of the name because that's a really yeah. uh, that's how it a, fun, a fun story. Uh, <laughs> I've got a, a really good friend uh, whose name is David, and you know uh, my brother-in-law Davy. And I kept on mixing both names up, texting something to the wrong person, even calling the wrong person. Um, and I knew David. Um, no, to make sure that I didn't mix them up again, I said to David, "I'm going to call you Freddy now. That's easier." So Davy and Freddy. And I knew he, uh, he he once said to me, "How cool would it be if I had a beer named after me?" So I knew he was coming to the brewery. So I wrote on a barrel, "Cuvi Freddy." <laughs> At that moment, some American tourists were over there, took some pictures, and somehow those pictures got to Matthias. No, and yes, he said, yes. "We need that Cuvi Freddy." Yeah. So that's the story about today. Yeah. I never, I never knew that. I yeah. never Actually, knew that. that was that was the first, uh, you know, the porch, the porch imperial style, which mm-hmm. is right. imperial yeah. style, but okay. That was the recipe. That was the recipe, but we made the sour version, put it in a right. barrel, and just a test of one barrel. Right. And then Matthias said, "I want that beer." <laughs> so we had to make more. And, yeah, uh, that's still and, the best and salt beer in the US. Yeah. yeah. And at that moment or the, the, the next few years after that we only sold Cuvi Freddy to the United States we never sold it elsewhere okay now for only I think for two years now we're selling it all over the world but wow so I'm making it a lot so what, tell us what is the Cuvi Freddy it's an imperial style now it's yeah no. well when we started the brewery the, uh, 12 years ago we didn't even know the style imperial styles we, we just thought okay we make a stout we make a dark beer uh we call it an imperial style. Of course, we know we know better now. It's not it's not an imperial style. It's just a Belgian dark beer, right? Strong dark ale. A strong yeah. dark ale. So, um, which normally wasn't sour at that point. It's it's still sold as the porch, mm-hmm. the porch yeah. stout in, in the US. It is, we don't yeah. sell it elsewhere. It's only in the states now. Oh. But we also made a, a sour version of it, which has become the Cuvi Freddy. I right think right. if uh, you the recipe know, if, if is you not entirely the no. same anymore, not yet, but okay. I, yeah, yeah. If you would call it a fancy name, if you want to put it into boxes, I think people would call it like an imperial old uh, Flemish brown, brown yeah. something like that. But well, we don't do that, of course. <laughs> <laughs> we don't really want to think into boxes because if you think into boxes, it ruins your creativity. So. Right. Uh, yeah. I, can rem- I can remember Cuvier Freddy, so <laughs> it's actually the only one I can remember. <laughs> how, how does Freddy feel about the the name now? Like the uh, beer he's so cool that we, you know, uh, he doesn't only have a beer named after him or after his nickname, but it's 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 it's, it's kind of famous now right. because yeah. we tell the story to everyone. But it gets even better uh, because Freddy was was like single for a long time, and then he finally yeah. met. Uh, a girl, uh, Sophie. Okay. You, you hear me coming, and Sophie yep, is yep. like the leading lady of uh, the the yeah beer. I don't know how to call it, beer connoisseurs, beer scene, yeah. beer scene in, in, in Belgium. Belgium yeah. So she does a lot of things, especially for women and beer to get more women into beer. So when we had uh, the cuvee, well, Cu- Sophie. Yep. So that's named after her. Right. 
This is a special that, version of Cuvée Freddy, I should yeah, point yeah. out. Yeah, it was yeah, called Cuvée Sophie. to Sophie. Yeah, yeah. we couldn't call it Cuvée Sophie in the yeah, U.S. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was great. Hold on one minute. We'll be back in a few seconds on <laughs> Pierce Harrison's radio. All right. Welcome back to Beer Sessions Radio. Hey, we got Cuvée Freddy. The guys from Alvin in Belgium will be united here. Jimmy's number 43, April 2016. And one thing you might hear in the background, a lot of Sunday nights in Jimmy's number 43, there's some folk groups here singing old-fashioned folk music songs and uh, kind of ties into the kind of beer these guys are making. So tell us again what you said. You, you, some of the beers you want to make sure they take time. And you, and you can't just say it's going to take eight months, it might take longer. Yeah, of course. It also depends. In summertime, it can go, can go a little bit faster because yeah. the temperature is higher. In wintertime, you never know how, how cold it's going to be. So right. then, then so it slows down the process. And then, but we, we never, yeah, we yeah, never we, we compromise. Follow, we follow, follow nature, nature, let's say. Yeah. Yeah. It depends on the size of the barrel. <laughs> the history of the barrel, how many times did we use it, how many times was it used, because we usually uh, use uh, wine barrels, so how many times has it been used for wine, one, one year, two years, three years, um, and it's, it's all those different factors uh, and, and uh, kind of the art of blending that makes it that we can yeah, get a beer in a, in a certain, you know, we really, if we want more oak, we, we know which barrel we need to uh, blend into. Uh, it's to to get more oak. If we want more sourness, we need we know which one to blend into, and uh, that's actually one of the most fun Things jobs we have. That uh, yeah. take samples from from like twenty barrels, and then uh, okay, try them first without blending, and then okay, well, this one goes out. Oh yeah, this one could it's be interesting. A, it's a very boring it job because we need to taste <laughs> a lot. Uh, really, it's it's hard work. <laughs> that's pretty funny. You guys are all kind of deadpan. I know it's a. It's a Sunday and you guys have been working a lot. It's great oh, having you guys. And jet lag. <laughs> For and us, it's lag. already midnight now. So yeah. <laughs> so keep lit, get lit up, guys. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, if I'm going out, let's say I'm going to Belgium, just tell me what town is Alvin in. Tell me a little more about the neighborhood and, and the place. Why don't you start, George? Have you been there? I, I uh, have been, yeah. Um, so tell us where it is and what's it like when you go there. Well, I, I mean, when I drove there, you, you go through a lot of small Belgian towns. It's very quaint, very nice. But my favorite part about Alvin is, is pulling up to the brewery because it's very unassuming. Uh, so you, you sort of you, you pull in and there's no sign that says, you know, Alvin, but there's a sign that just says, it's big, it's brown. And it says in white text, it says, Morpheus yeast inside. That's the only indication uh, that uh, this is where Alvin is. Uh, but it's, it's fantastic. It's a very, yeah, very, very small town, I mean, very rural Belgium. Uh, actually, it's called Moon. 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 And we okay. say we are the first brewery on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> and it's called Moon Belgium? Or is it, is it M-O-E-N. 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 Yeah, you moon. pronounce it like moon. moon. That's I, way see, I've always, I've always, I always said moan, so I'm glad no, that no, I know no, that now. Moon. <laughs> moon. <laughs> Easy, simple. And what, what are some other like-minded breweries that, that you associate with there? Oh, in Belgium, uh, I think uh, Hoften Dormal uh, for sure. Uh, Dochter van de Korenaar is a really good one. And in um, the States, uh, Jester King, let's say. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. And OEC. <laughs> now, yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. now we know. <laughs> sometimes you have, you, you see breweries and you, you, you're like, okay, they, they think just the way we think. And uh, I think both Jester King and OEC are right. really, so let, really... Tell us about going to OEC in Connecticut, because I went there two years ago and I loved it. What was your experience going to OEC? So order of the eccentric uh, boiler. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what town is it in? It's in Oxford, Connecticut. Oxford, Connecticut. Oxford, Connecticut. In the middle of yep. nowhere. Not too it's far sort of from central New western Connecticut. Yeah, not too far from New Haven. Uh, but, uh, I mean, we're really in the middle of the woods, which is nice. So help, help me explain what it is. Because when you go there, it's, it's unlike any other brewery in the northeast of America. Well, we, we didn't visit another brewery, so we can't go there. <laughs> Trust but, me, but, it's different. <laughs> but driving there, indeed... Uh, those small roads uh, into the middle of nowhere, and suddenly we, we, we arrive there, and there are maybe 150 cars 
parked out. People along the road uh, having barbecues, drinking OEC beers. So strange. And it was really cold. And it was really cold outside. So that's so strange for us. You don't see anyone near and then you come there and all, all the people are drinking beers and having good times. Which right. was already for us, wow, it's gonna be nice so arriving here. So. The, the reason there were so many people is that OEC was doing a, uh, a release of one of their very famous beers, so that's why there were so many cars. Usually there's not, luckily. <laughs> we have another friend from Belgium here, too. Oh, Marjorie. Marjorie, say hello, come in tight. Hello. You have to grab a seat. Come on, grab yeah, a chair. Yeah, this is my family. Oh, okay, we'll see you in a minute. <laughs> Maybe I can. You can okay. No. But she's busy. <laughs> but we're recording. <laughs> this is a real Belgian. Oh, she yeah, speaks French. Belgium is very complicated, so yeah. yes. we're not going to try to explain it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but so the OEC then for you, you know. Right. But I want to hear from you. So you're there, you pulled up. Yeah, the so, experience. Yeah, of course, we, we arrive, uh, have a beer, and then they showed us around. And then we immediately saw, right, guys, they are doing what we do, what we want to do, what they we have the same philosophy. That was great. The so, cool uh, ship, the the boat yeah. little cooler, the, the, the greenhouses, the greenhouse, you know, yeah. uh, using, using the fruits, fruits for, yeah. for actually harvesting uh, wild bacteria, things like that. That's like, okay, fantastic. Um, yeah. For the first time, uh, I had the occasion to talk uh, really for some time to uh, Matthias. And I must say, yeah, we are completely in the same spirit, let's say. We didn't need a lot of words, but he understood me and the other way around, uh, how he thinks about beer, about the yeast management and everything. So, yeah, it was uh, really, uh, I enjoyed it to talk to him, really. I also like the way, the philosophy they have, like, okay, we're going to do small, very experimental things, only sell it at the brewery, uh, which means that they do have the time, the passion, uh, and yeah, the dedication uh, to um, to do what they want and not what customers want or whatever. Just do what they want, and people come, which was yeah. surprisingly. It wouldn't work in, in Belgium, I think, because not the same way. Not a, not in that way. Like in a release that so many pe- people would come just for that, mm. wouldn't happen. But then again, in Belgium, uh, yeah. It's not like there's a lot of breweries, but Belgians are very traditional in their thinking yeah, very about conservative beer. Very conservative. The, the sour taste is still something that they have to learn. For me, it's a forgotten taste. And we, in the 60s, 70s, we had all the sweet taste coming up with uh, the Coke and things like that. And it still yeah, influences how uh, people experience beers. And actually, uh, yeah thousand years ago it was a very common taste the sour taste because it was a way to cons- conserve food you know and it was very common and uh, little by little we remember that kind of uh, experience I think and you are quicker in uh, the stage than we are to remember that taste <laughs> yeah, no, it's yeah, a good sour, thing because without very complex. Scandinavia without the United States without a couple of countries uh, all, all the Lambic uh, brewers would have gone would have out died. of business, for sure. Uh, we would have gone out of business, for sure. <coughs> so it's due to, to like a global um, yeah, saying that, that people really want to try those sours, right. but we can still do what we are doing. But it doesn't happen in Belgium, it doesn't really happen in the Netherlands, it's, it's further away. We don't care. Well, I mean, I remember a time. Well, I mean, I don't remember it, but I know of a time in the U.S. when uh, every no one would drink sour beer. They all thought it was bad. It was just gone yeah. beer that had gone off. Yeah, exactly. But and, and in, in many ways it, it is. But it's beautifully spoiled beer, I suppose. Uh, it's but, controlled spoiled. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but well, sometimes in Belgium there are even discussions about uh, like the term sour. Right. Like lambic brewers don't really like to, for them lambic brewer they say yeah but sour is is infected beer. It's gone wrong. But that's easy because they, they have a name for their style. <laughs> what would you call what would you call like the blondes wild beers? It's not even wild with because we control these. So how how, right. how what not else really. would you call it except a sour? sour. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. 
we did uh, our own description, let's say, is on uh, all of our T-shirts. It's a Flemish sour ales. That's yeah, the name we want to give it. Right. Simple like that. We are in the Flemish part, so it's sour and it's an ale. So <laughs> yeah. make we like easy. simple things. Yeah. <laughs> it's useless to make things complicated. So. Yeah. Uh, what about you, David? You agree with that? Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Why shouldn't I agree? <laughs> so, if, if, uh, so if some of our American listeners, or you know, we have listeners in Sweden and England, you know, if, if they want to start off with sour beers. Besides yours, what are some other ones they should try? Maybe other Belgian beers worth trying. Um, I think we just Alvin, just Alvin. Yeah, yeah, we are pretty for the mixed fermentation. We are we're pretty, pretty unique, unique. Yeah, and of course, yeah. Next to that, it's another family, but related in a way is the lambics. Yeah. So yeah. A lot of other Belgian sours are not sour anymore. They sweetened. They are pasteurized. They are not natural anymore. It's just yeah. Luckily, we reinvented the style because, yeah, beside of that, there's nothing much left in Belgium for that right. style of beer. Right. There are interesting breweries in, in Europe uh, yeah. who are making really good sours. Yeah. I'm thinking like Lover Beer uh, in Italy, yeah. uh, Red Church, uh, Wild Beer in England, Brickerit yeah. uh, in uh, Sweden. So we've, yeah, we see all, all over Europe uh, some very interesting, but there's not many. I think uh, maybe ten all uh, all together. So it's 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 still it's a it's a very difficult thing to do making yeah. a sour. It's another level of, of making beer certainly yeah. to have uh, uh, the quality which is uh, each time uh, constant and the same and so on for sour beers. That's yeah quite uh, yeah. and a it's thing also a choice. That. I think I think that's why not that many brewers want to try it because if you start with sours and it goes wrong you can't control it yeah forget about making clean beers right. so you can't make clean beers and you can't make good sours then you're in trouble of course yeah. so that, I think that's why uh, some brewers actually uh, breweries actually have like two parts the clean part and the wild dirt, dirty. wild dirty part like Beavertown <laughs> has something like that right and they do great things in that but they will never mix both they even change like boots when they go uh, go from one building to the other. Yeah. Like so Actually, so uh, I'm like a hot dog factory. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know that's funny because you know meat process. <laughs> Actually, I have a second job also uh, in a in a big American company, let's say, and uh, there um, uh, I'm just killing off bacteria. So the <laughs> other way around. Uh, so if you know how to kill them, you also know how to keep them alive. Yeah, in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so well, are there any characteristics of your brewery um, that you allow for because you're doing sour beers? Yeah. Like, do you leave cobwebs in the window? Do you have no, any? No, no. Well, we, actually, we can't. We, we are controlled by food agency. We, we, we are a very clean facility. But that doesn't mean you can't make sour beers, of course. So you it's don't, all about you don't need yeast, a dirty building to make sour time. beers, of course. Yeah. Yeah. You but must know in the process where to let nature go and where to uh, to be very clean and hygienic yeah. and so on. Yeah. You just have to know where. It's the same like making cheeses. In certain parts of the process, you must let uh, the nature go to have an excellent cheese and. Uh, uh, the, the milk is something very uh, special in terms of hygiene, needs a lot of attention. Certain parts need hygiene, otherwise, and other parts you just let nature go. And you must know where to make the distinction. And master that. Yep, absolutely. Well said, Mark. You can say more. Yeah. <laughs> I cannot repeat that. Uh, I don't want to ask you questions because I want you guys to say what's, what you're thinking. But maybe George will jump in here and a little more of this Alvin and Mystique. Well, the Alvin and Mystique. Uh, I don't, I, I, well, I think the Mystique lies in Morpheus, really. Um, but I'm not. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what else to add here. Really, I'm not sure. I, I didn't see any cobwebs. It's, it's, it was very clean to me. It looks good. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> and then l- last thing, so like your your base ingredients, like like your grains and your malts, are the, you know, tell us about those and, and 
are you able to work with any malls, or, or do you have certain malls that you work yeah, with? We want we want good good quality, of course. Uh, we tried different mall trees now, but we, we found good quality now in Holland, uh, which is doing great. So, uh, but of course, you can do it with, with any malt. It's it's the malt is, is the base of your beer, but but of course, it's it's all the rest that makes it a good sour beer, not not the malt. It could put the sourness in a certain direction. In a certain direction, no, if depending you, like, on. If you, let's say if you use uh, Ray, it's going to give another sourness than if you just uh, use uh, barley malt. Uh, if you use wheat, it's going to be a little bit different. Um, and okay, playing with that. Yeah, and also the malted grains, unmalted grains, yeah. all yeah. of that, and uh, combinations of everything. And, that's basically the difference between like making Berliner Weisses and, and, and just blonde sours and they put last it one Belgian culture so I know what language do you guys speak in your town in the brewery and I know because our friend Marjorie walked in and you said oh she's speaking French you're yeah. speaking Dutch you speak yeah. Dutch no yeah. not Dutch oh. Flemish. 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 <laughs> it's a difference between Dutch and, and Flemish it's like American and English you know yeah it's officially it's the same language, but we have other expressions, other pr- pronunciation, and so on. So, yeah, okay, that's the difference. With some French words in it. With some French words. And English words. And yeah, it's a big but a good thing is, <laughs> you guys we, were we fun. I know Matea <laughs> said if you came and hung out with me, we'd have some fun, and <laughs> we, we will have more fun. Um, <laughs> quick, quick wrap up. Uh, so again, George, tell us again what you're doing in the states with these guys. A few of the special bars so, are going to. A, a, yeah, Alvin are, are are in the country uh, to tour the East Coast and see uh, some of our best accounts on the coast and uh, sort of spread the the word of Alvin around. Not that it really needs a lot of spreading, to be honest. They but just, <laughs> they just want to see our faces. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. They're, they're beer celebrities, really. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so they're, they're here briefly uh, to, to tour the U.S., and uh, they're bringing uh, the word of Alvin and, and Morpheus East uh, around the world. So, yeah. That's great. You guys, just say your names each as, before we say goodbye. I'm Davey. What's your full name? Davey what? <laughs> your full name. Family name. Oh, my family name. Davey Spiesens. Mar de Keukler, don't, don't try to pronounce that in English. <laughs> Impossible. <laughs> and uh, Glenn Castellet. All right, I couldn't repeat any of your names. <laughs> Glenn, <laughs> thanks to Glenn. Wait, Davey. Jimmy, what's your line? What's your family name? Come on, Jimmy Carvalho, <laughs> George, and Davy for joining me here on the Harry's Trade Network. Thanks to our sponsors, Unibrew Distributors, suppliers of world-class ales and lagers. Thanks to our producers and our engineer. And uh, I think Dave is going to clean this up, and you'll probably hear this in spring of 2016. Thanks so much, everybody. We we'll catch you next time on Beer Sessions Radio. All right, yeah. Thanks, <laughs> thank you. Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.